Welcome back to the Wheel Take Sally podcast. I am Nick, joined by Andy. And another two weeks down, boy, does it go fast. And that means another episode. So getting right into it, we have some new shifts in certain placements of each division. And the first one is the Atlantic Division. And again, I go through this in the wildcard format. If you haven't listened to any recent episodes, I used to do divisional standings, but now as we get closer to the push for the playoffs, I have the wild card set up. So I will go through the wild card setup of each conference to give you an idea of playoff formats. The new format I was talking about, or the, or the new uh, standings, I should say, is the Florida Panthers find themselves in first place uh, with 78 points with 56 games played. In second, with the same amount of games played, the Bruins have 77 points, so they've been dethroned in the Atlantic. And Toronto is in third place with 68 points, 54 games played. Going to the Metropolitan Division, the Rangers find themselves in first with 77 points with 56 games played. Second place is Carolina with 55 games played and 71 points. And third place is the Philadelphia Flyers with 56 games played and 65 points. And then these are just the remaining uh, teams in the East. But these these next two are going to be wildcard one and two. So Tampa is the wildcard one with 57 games played and 65 points. Detroit is 55 games played with 64 points. Below them, New Jersey with 55 games played 60 points. The Islanders 55 games played 60 points. Washington, uh, 54 games played, 58 points. Pittsburgh, 53 games played, 56 points. Buffalo, 55 games played, 52 points. Montreal uh, with 55 games played, 52 points. Ottawa with 53 games played, 49 points. And in last place in the East is Columbus with 53 games played, 44 points. Moving on to the Western Conference, In the Central Division, first place is the Dallas Stars with 57 games played and 76 points. Second place is the Colorado Avalanche with 56 games played and 72 points. Winnipeg is 53 games played with 71 points. Moving to the Pacific Division, uh, first place is the Vancouver Canucks with 80 points in 57 games played. Second place is the Vegas Golden Knights with 55 games played and 70 points. Third place is the Edmonton Oilers with 52 games played and 67 points. Wildcard one goes to Los Angeles with 53 games played, 64 points. St. Louis is the second wildcard with 55 games played and 60 points. Nashville with 55 games played, 58 points. Minnesota, 55 games played, 58 points. Seattle, 55 games played, 57 points. 56 games played, 57 points is Calgary. Arizona is 55 games played with 50 points. The Anaheim Ducks uh, have 55 games played with 42 points. San Jose jumps ahead of Chicago, 55 games played, 35 points. And Chicago is last in the Western Conference with 56 games played at 33 points. That is your wildcard standings as of February 20th and going forward. um, I only brought up the games played. I'm going to continue to bring those up, even though it was a bit confusing with how often the the 55 games played and how many times they played concurred with their points. 
but I'm going to keep going forward just so you guys have an idea of how many games are remaining. Uh, we got some teams are less than 30 games uh, left, and then some teams have close to that 30 game threshold. Um, so I'll keep bringing up games played just so everyone has an idea of how close we're getting to the end of the season. Without further ado, like I said, Florida dethroned Boston in the in the Atlantic Division. I believe the Dallas Stars overtook the uh, Central Division from Colorado. If I'm not mistaken, two weeks ago, Colorado was in first. Um, but Vancouver still finds themselves in first in the Pacific Division, 10 points ahead of the second place Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I know that we mentioned on the last episode how how bad the Vegas Golden Knights have playing. Well, that story just continued uh, these past two weeks. And recently, Jack Eichel has been placed on long-term injured reserve with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, his contract is $10 million. So a lot of people are already saying, oh boy, Vegas is getting ready for the, um, the cap circumvention for the playoffs. So <laughs> we'll see what goes on there. But uh, that, that are the standings as of now. And, uh, and we'll get right into it. Uh, before I go in, do you have any notes on, on teams this week? Um, I personally haven't been able to watch a lot of hockey as the, the Nashville Predators started a little bit later. Uh, we didn't come back until the 10th. And then when we came back, we had a bit of a long slash medium stretch of home games. So I was kind of confined to watching Predators games these last two weeks. So do you have any any comments on, on uh, teams around the league? Uh, I, well, I mean, it's kind of fitting for the way you started off the podcast. I've been watching a pretty healthy dose of uh, the Bruins lately. And I mean, you saw me uh, kind of go off on them in the group chat the other night. Um, they've been struggling to to not necessarily win games. I mean, they just won in overtime the other, I think, last night or the night before, uh, maybe against, like, Calgary or something on the road. Um, but they had a stint of, like, two home games, two or three home games that was capped off by – just complete dominance by the Kraken <laughs> at home. I mean, <clears throat> and that was the game that that set me off uh, and had me turn to the group chat. I wanted to, I thought about it the game prior. I forgot uh, who they were playing. Let me see if I can pull it up while I talk. But um, I noticed that in their in the first game that I was watching, oh, it was the Kings. They were playing Kings at home. And uh, it's just, it was, that game was just one of those games where um, the Bruins had control of it pretty much all the way through, but they just allowed LA. And I mean, to LA's credit, they're a team that does this very well, but you also need, you know, the, the team that is playing against the team, the team that is, just hanging around in the game and staying like close and not really letting the door get slammed on them. Um, in my opinion, the Bruins are a team that are good enough or sh at least should be good enough. Uh, I guess that's my claim is that they're not as good as their paper record shows. Um, but given their paper record, they're a team that should be able to slam a door, especially on a Western conference team. That was, that was my biggest gripe with the, with these two games in question, the game against the Kraken and the game against uh, the um, Kings. 
was that they're both Western Conference teams. They're both coming over to the East Coast to play these games in the garden of all stadiums, probably one of the most difficult road games to play, in my opinion. I know we've had an episode that kind of walks us through home ice advantage and of all the major leagues, home ice advantage is probably least applicable to hockey, especially come postseason. Um, but that being said, there are some stadiums that I, I have, I mean, I've experienced a couple. I've been to MSG and TD Garden out of the original six, but I'm sure the Bell Center is, is in this bracket. I am sure, um, whereas Chicago, the USA. United Center, I think. United Center. I thought they were US. Yeah. But United Center sounds right. Uh, and Little Caesars Arena has got, you know, the original six have got to have hard barns to play in. They've got very deep root, rooted fan bases. Uh, they fill their barns up with their shirts only, basically. Um, you know, they're not like the Sabres and the Hurricanes where the away team can kind of show up. In, in a in a small percentage, but a visible percentage. Woo. Yeah, and it's a it's a difficult arena to it's not a comfortable arena to play in on the road. Let's just put it that way. And that's being a Canes fan over the last five years, we've been a powerhouse team, um, and and we can go on the road and play teams in their arenas and and basically tell their fans to shut up, but. Boston has always been a difficult one for that reason. And so anyways, back to my original point, watching them struggle against the Kings, letting the Kings take them to overtime. I think it was a late, late third period goal that tied it up. I don't remember if it was an empty netter or not, but, um, you know, that's a game where if if you let that away team hang around, again, it's the West Coast, it's a three-hour time difference. Uh, that they're dealing with. And so I I wanted to see Boston be a little bit better in that game. Um, And then sure enough, just a night or two later, uh, turn them on and just watch them play miserably against the Kraken. And I don't know if it's, uh, it can't be a rest thing because we just had the all-star game. We just got off a week to 10 days off from the game. Um, and it's something that's just been brewing inside of me for a long time. I think, especially after last season, I know it's such a curse, like it's the Vesna curse, or not the Vesna, the President's curse and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you know, the after coming off of a record-setting season like that, just to let the Panthers walk all over you after going up three-one in a playoff series, a team that snuck into their wild card position. And I know the Kings. I know the Canes ended up getting, you know, four owed, and and the, the Maple Leafs couldn't deal with them, and they got hot after that. But I mean, to me, that was, and I don't even remember if I was talking about it last year, but that was like head and shoulders. This team is not who the papers says they are. It's it's not even close. They and now this year they've lost Bergeron, which was a major major piece to that team. Um, I thought. I thought they could have done a better move with captaincy and, and given that to boy instead of Brad Marchand. I don't think it's as gross of a, of a move of a pick. 
of a pick. Thank you. It's not as gross of a pick as say the Rangers. <laughs> I know you knew where I was going. With that. Yeah, I um, knew it at the moment. You, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, come on, the Kraken are fighting tooth and nail just to keep up with the Kings in the standings, and the Kings have games in hand on the Kraken. Um, so that's really a team that you need to put their face into the ground when they come into your house, uh, especially after coming off of a tough loss against the Kings, after letting the Kings hang around. And, uh, I mean, that's the main team I watched outside of the Hurricanes this week. Uh, I've been catching games from all across the league uh, in the last okay. couple of weeks when the Canes aren't playing um, or when we're not at games as well. I've just been watching everybody. I've been watching a lot of Minnesota lately. I did, however, unfortunately, miss the the football game against the Vancouver Canucks last night. Oh my gosh! Ten seven was the final. Three three different three hat tricks. Got hat tricks. Like just, I think that I heard today that that was the first time in thirty two years there's been three hat tricks in one game. Uh, <laughs> So that was just like an absolute, I missed that. I, like I said, I missed that one, but I've been watching a considerable amount of the avalanche and the avalanche are, um, you know, it's funny. I feel like even though, um, even though Dallas has overtaken the Western conference in the standings, uh, the, the avalanche were where the Vegas Knights are now, the avalanche were there in the beginning of the year. Um, I think okay. oh, I see what you're saying. injuries um, and they're playing, you know, they were playing well, but they weren't playing great. I think things have flopped now. Vegas is now kind of in that we're dealing with injuries. The rut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're not playing as good as we can. We're still doing what we need to, to keep points on the standings and everything. But now the, the avalanche just looks so much more solid to me. Um, yeah. I think, and and uh, and yeah, I mean, I'll let you go now if, if you want. I know I've kind of been on a soapbox here for a while. I've been holding on to that Bruins take. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I actually wanted to add to the to the Bruins take, but rather from the Kings' perspective. So earlier in the week, the Kings had gone into Buffalo. I believe it started a road trip for them um, out east because they played Buffalo, Jersey, Boston, and. Uh, the Penguins, and then today they're playing um, Columbus in Columbus. So I want to say that it's that was the first game of this long road trip for them. They lost to a seven to nothing, and actually, I think that oh, what's that? I'm watching them right now. Oh, perfect, even better. So I think that the way that they started that road trip obviously left a sour taste in their mouth. Um, you know that the, the Sabers are a team that largely doesn't score, has struggled to score. They've had moments where they've, you know, scored seven, eight, nine goals this season, but they've also had moments where they've given up that much. So I think to start the road trip that way for the Kings uh, really set a fire under them because after that game, they went to, they went to New Jersey and they beat them two to one. They went to Boston, beat them five, four. Um, and then they beat uh, the, the Penguins the very next day on Sunday two to one. So I, I am not saying that Boston, like discrediting your, your take on them, but I am just say, I think they they ran into a team that was playing with a purpose 
especially because last last month the Kings had only won 13 out of 15 games and their third win came against the Predators on the last day of January. So uh, that's a team that, you know, has realized they need to start playing with a purpose more. And after a big loss like that, I, I think they're starting to play a more consistent game. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, I've that's been the point. going back quick to that loss. I think that was the game when Dowdy, you know, was on record kind of calling. Not, I don't he didn't use names or anything, but he was calling guys out for yeah. being really focused on on points and themselves. That sheet exactly, and and I think what what you said about getting their doors blown off by the Sabers to start that road trip, combined with I'm sure Dowdy's leadership and Dowdy's ability to hold guys accountable. That's that's what starts that Eastern Conference tear that you just kind of laid out for us. I, I I didn't even consider all those games. I forgot about the Jersey game, but how could I forget about the Penguins game as well with uh, Yager night that night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they spoiled his, I guess, quote, return to, to Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it was a team that was playing with a purpose. And, and I think they really needed they've really understood how important it is to get wins now given how bad their January was. It's like they got to do extra this month. Um, But what I was going to say before you had interjected was I track goalie stats through Money Puck. um, And I do this, obviously, because I'm a big Hellebuck fan and I'm a big U.S.-born American, (laughs) U.S.-born goalie fan. I've mentioned that multiple times on this podcast. And I think even American uh, listeners are probably tired of hearing it. But I just follow them because, you know, I'm proud of of U.S.-born goalies. Well, I checked it today, and the top U.S. goalies this season were or have been Halibut, Demko, and Decord. Um, and then quick, he was in the beginning and has kind of middled out. But the fourth goalie, who was also hot, who is U.S.-born, was Swayman. Uh, every time I would consistently check it week to week, Swayman would be in the top five of goalies based on their goals save above expected. So I'm not looking at their save percentage. I'm not looking at their goals against average solely based on their save above expected their salary goals save above expected because that that stat shows, you know, how valuable they are. How many shots can they save that were expected to go in? Well, Swayman was in the top five. When I checked it today, he's not even in the top 10. And I filtered that out between uh, 37 games. So if I lower that down a bit, he'll probably show up. I'll lower it to 30 because I know him and and, uh, Lena Solmark, they kind of flip-flop. So when I go bring it down to 30, he does come up into the top five again. He would be fourth in that category. But um, so he's still playing well. It's just what's hurting him is, is how often he's... Uh, being swapped out or being used as that kind of 1A, 1B method. It's not a bad method by Boston. It's certainly working. Um, But I think when you compare him to other goalies that are more consistent and play more, uh, he he doesn't reach that echelon. So um, I'd like to also bring up that point. It's just, I, I honestly think that when you play a 1A, 1B and you have two good goalies, it's a pro, but the con comes with, Goalies aren't playing as much. They can't get a consistency down. 
you know, it's kind of like they play two games in a row, then it's their backup, and then it's two games in a row, and then a backup, then maybe they flip-flop for a bit, or he goes on a run of, you know, three or four games, and then he's back to being on the bench. Um, I think it hurts most come April, because that's when you need the consistency. You need, the players need the consistency. Absolutely. Kind of choose a, a one and a two goalie at that point. And, and it creates just a lot of uncertainty, especially if the guy you pick is not really coming out looking like that right away. You know, I, I think it I think it really ends up harming teams in the postseason. There's not many teams, in my opinion, that have really walked through the playoffs with a one A one B going uh, thing going on. And the the only reason that teams are doing that is because of Vegas last year, but. Vegas only did the 1A, 1B because they literally used, I think, four goaltenders in the playoffs because of injury. Otherwise, um, Guess trying to what? Think, Thompson would have started. So What's that? What's that? Guess what? We've used five this year, so maybe it's our turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I only say that due to injury and... You know, they, they, they got hit with the injury bug pretty early in the playoffs and, and leading into it. Um, but otherwise, it would have been Thompson starting for them. And it, it wouldn't have been Aiden Hill who kind of carried them all the way to the cup and then eventually won the Conn Smythe. Uh, or sorry, I think it was Marcia so who won the Conn Smythe. But, you know, regardless, Aiden Hill was in the conversation with Conn Smythe because he was basically like a third string, fourth string guy who, you know, got reps in. And, and brought a team to the cup. But as you're saying, and as I'm saying, that method isn't going to work come playoff time. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to test that, obviously, when we check back with the Jets and the Canucks and, um, you know, some of these other teams who who have their goalies playing more consistently, playing, you know, as much games as possible. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how that goes and how that theory holds up. But I'd have to agree with you. And, and I think to to this point, even more with Boston, they did it last year uh, in the playoffs where Lena Solmark was playing with an injury. And I want to say he played the first five or four games of that series. And then in the fifth game, it was abundantly clear that he could not play through his injury. And, and that game costed the Bruins um, a three, two series lead. Cause that would have been game four. Five. Yeah. So that, yeah. So game five, Lena Solmark, his injury clearly plagued him. They put Swayman in, they ended up losing the series. Well, why would you play a goalie that's injured and why not play the guy that's hot? If you have a one, a one B just go to your one B and have him play. However, however long the series would have been, maybe you get a different result. Look, look at what Florida did, man. What did Florida do? Alex Lyon, who provided them consistent goaltending, more consistent than than Bobrovsky, was in net. The moment he started showing signs of, hey, this guy doesn't have it, Bobrovsky got back in the net and carried them all the way to the cup. You need consistency. You need consistent goaltending in the playoffs. If Boston keeps going with Olmark and Swayman, I don't know how. I don't know if that takes them far into the playoffs. Um, I've also been pretty. I wouldn't say critical of, of Olmark, but he, he was a saber for a bit in his career. And that guy can give up some squeaky goals and, and some goals that you just need a save from. Um, so I, I, I think that Boston kind of has to make a decision here where it's like, you got to pick one and two 
and just ride with it rather than 1A, 1B, because it's, it's just not going to work. It'll work in the, in the regular season, sure, but in the playoffs, it won't. Um, but I think we've beaten that, that horse well enough uh, to, <laughs> to portray our point. Um, Certainly. One team that I did get to, to watch, um, and I know this is, is a Western Conference team, so by no means do we have to shift to the Western Conference. I'll just make note of it now, is the Dallas Stars. Um, that's a team that I can understand why people are high on. I watched them just dismantle the Predators on home ice. They beat them 9-2, and it just they, – they got depth scoring. That That's ultimately what it comes down to is depth scoring, and, and that team has it. Uh, and – um, and, and it, it's, it's, it, they're a fun team to watch. I will also say that they're a fun team to watch, but bringing it back to the Eastern conference, another team that I got an opportunity to watch some games of is the New Jersey devils, um, because they, they visited the two days before Dallas came and I got to watch, um, Jack Hughes and his brother play, uh, in person and they, they, are catalysts man they they drive the new jersey devils offense <laughs> they at one point jack hughes scored it was a really really good goal um i think he sniped it on Saros, and his brother luke got an assist and i just remember uh somebody i, I think somebody in the crowd it was a devils fan or something said hughes to hughes get used to hearing that and I thought you're absolutely right, man. I mean, you're gonna listen. You're gonna quite literally hear Hughes to Hughes, no matter if it's Jack to Luke or Luke to Jack. You're gonna hear that quite often with with the Devils, and it happened in that game. Even more so, they had I think a total of either 47 or 48 shots, but when you included shot attempts, they were near like 90. It's a team that just shoots, shoots, shoots the puck, whether it's straight to the chest, into the glove, into the net, they shoot. Um, and, you know, I think that it's understandable because they're a pretty young team for the most part. You know, they, they got a couple of young guys, a couple of, couple of rookies. And when you have a young team, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty apt to, to, they're trigger happy. That's the word I was looking for. They're trigger happy. They, they want a goal. They want to score. So they'll shoot a lot. Um, and in doing so, they, they, they allow themselves to uh, have possession of the puck a lot. That's what they did. Um, on top of it, they do have speed. I will give them that. They do have speed. Even guys like Hollow, who are pretty much on the older side, you'd be surprised how fast that guy is for his age. Uh, and, and that ultimately killed the Predators the night they played us was they they were just a faster team. Um, and when you're a faster team, you can get to the pucks quicker. And when you have the pucks, you can obviously shoot them. Again, that box score, that game sh- proves that point to a T because they had all, almost 100 uh, total shot attempts in that game. So they're a very interesting team to to uh, to watch as well. I also got to watch the Devils-Flyers game. Uh, which was the outdoor game. My parents came down to visit me in Nashville and my mom's a Devils fan. So um, for that night, we, I was like, Hey mom, you don't get to watch Devils games. Let's, let's watch the, uh, the stadium series. 
Um, and it sort of reigned true there. You know, it's a team that just knows how to knows how to uh, play a fast game, knows how to play with the puck, and just shoots at whim. And they ended up winning that game six to three. <laughs> you know, it's it's again, you're not you're not scoring six goals if if you aren't shooting the puck a lot, or at least trying to get pucks on net as much as you can. So that, that's a team that in the East I'll talk about before we move to the West. Uh, but they are a fun team to watch. They're they're an inconsistent team this year, and I think uh, I was gonna say that, dude. I, yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was gonna bring up because they yeah. lost the Capitals tonight, six to two. Yeah, and yeah. I think you've mentioned it before, if not on the cast, definitely in the in the group chat. Not actually the hockey group chat. I think the group chat with with mom and dad and everybody, um, which is that they're. They just they need to find goaltending. goaltending yep. The moment they find a goalie is the moment that you'll start seeing them punch a ticket to the postseason pretty pretty regularly. And I and I don't necessarily think they're going to be going deep in the playoffs when they start arriving in April consistently because of how young they are. But you know, two three and and on top of that, they also need some players to remain consistently healthy cough cough dougie hamilton um you know, mr ten thousand ten million dollar man dougie hamilton uh-uh, uh-uh. <clears throat> it's 9.5 in there's a big difference whatever <laughs> you said they you said that they almost racked up 100 shots on goals uh 100 shots attempts so i can call him mr 10 million man <laughs> but fair enough um, fair enough but no, well and here's the thing dude how about this if he stays healthy i'm sure his bonuses will get him to that 10 million mark <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean I, I i totally agree with you when they're a team that's firing on all cylinders and um and they're using their speed to keep uh, their opponent out of their defensive end. Uh, they're a great team. I, I I do agree with you. When they're when they're on point, they're on point, and they look really good. And they look like a team that I wouldn't want to face again in the playoffs. I know we we put them to bed last year, but um, once they do figure those two components out, you know, a consistent goalie and a little bit more experience in the postseason, they're they're going to start making some pretty pretty solid runs. I would imagine. Um, and their coach, uh, it's Lindy Ruff, isn't it? Correct. Yep. Former saver. Yeah. So coach. how can, how can you be upset with that? They got a great coach uh, behind the bench. Uh, and imagine if they could get that third Hughes brother. We imagine if we start hearing Hughes to Hughes to oh. Hughes. <laughs> Dude. But he's got a good thing going in Vancouver too. So I'm sure he's yeah. saying that. Too. Yeah. He's, he's certainly happy where he is. <laughs> Um, maybe late in their careers, unlike the Stahl brothers, maybe all three of them eventually get together. Um, but yeah, I, I did want to mention their goaltending because uh, Vitek Banachek has definitely struggled. Um, Akira Schmidt has been sent down to the AHL, and that happened earlier in the season. And when he got sent down, they brought up uh, Nico Dawes, who I think he's a good goalie. It's just... Uh, you know, he hasn't been uh, accustomed and uh, acclimated to the NHL level yet. So he's, again, inconsistent. Yeah. But uh, I do think that of the two goalies they have, VTech and him, he is the better goalie. Um, they, they also, you know, uh, one thing I do want to mention is 
they're a very highly offensive team. Like I mentioned, a lot of shots on goal against us. They scored six against the Flyers. With that comes a bit of a sacrifice to your defensive game, and that's also where they could get a little bit better. Part of that is they don't have Siegenthaler and they don't have uh, Hamilton. So they're kind of running guys that, you know, are AHL players who are kind of filling in for them as they're injured. But, um, but yeah, like you mentioned it, it, if they can get Hamilton back and, and if they can get Siegenthaler back, you know, they, they, I think can play a better team in front of their goalie. We'll see, you know, it's kind of late in the season to sort of, get a, a good enough sample size to to determine that because we don't know when Siegenthaler are coming back or, or Hamilton or at least I don't know I'm sure Devils fans know but um yeah and, until they have those guys it's kind of hard to assess their their defensive game because they have some rookies on top of the fact that they play so so offensively but um it I know that one thing and I've seen multiple sources now on 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 uh, Instagram through the, uh, I guess, insider accounts that I follow that Saros is linked to the Hurricanes, the Devils, and there's a third team. I'm forgetting who else he's linked to. And I got to imagine that if the Predators trade him, if Barry makes the decision to trade Saros, um, it's going to be a really good return for the Predators and B, it's it's going to be, I think, a move for whoever gets him is is the smartest move they make to make a push for the playoffs. Because I not I don't think the Devils are a bad team as as inconsistent as they've been. And then you know we, we both have mentioned it, especially you, that if the the Canes can get a starting goalie, oh. um, if it, if the Canes can get a starting goalie. They they can make that that push to the playoffs and be a, a cup contender for sure. Quentin Byfield just just had a goal that everybody's going to be watching tomorrow. Holy crap! Uh, <laughs> a la Rick Nash dancing from from the center line all the way to the goal line through no way three two guys three guys two guys with a kick. Oh my god, man! <laughs> Turn this game on. This is a, this is an awesome goal. Um, Yes, I heard your trade rumor link. Oh my god, it's so good. This is such a good call. I can't I can't even talk. Um, so, I'm trying to get to it quick. <laughs> I think I'm gonna miss it. You just missed it. Uh, they'll show it again, dude. This this is this is one of the nicest goals of the season. Um anyways. Uh trade rumors. Yes, I did see Sorrows was linked to the Hurricanes, and that was definitely something that when I saw that I was uh pretty thumbs up about. I think I've even mentioned on the cast before that I would not mind if Saros was uh, in a Hurricanes jersey one day. Okay. I will say this though, uh I have I have seen this and I have been following a uh, Hurricanes insider myself and I think as, as I know that the Hurricanes have gone quiet goalie market. And I have also heard that they're just kind of quiet on the trade market altogether, which I'm not too upset about. Yeah. Uh, and you, you've been pretty upset with Waddell for not getting Halibut. 
and then not getting other goalies. If I were you, I'd be upset to hear that news. I, all right, I'll say this. I I will say goaltending wise, we we could do we 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 have to we can do better. I, I can totally <laughs> say that, but we our goaltending situation. I mean, do we want a six goalie this year? <laughs> like it's been Kachekov, and he's finally finding his game. And I'm I'm willing to ride Kachekov out out at this point. If he's being backed up by and there's and Anderson's practicing again so out of the blue, Anderson is now practicing again, and apparently, you know, I, I know Don Waddell has a lot of faith in, in Anderson, and again, that's fine. But keep if you know if April comes around and Anderson is our starter and Aranta is still injured or if, or if he's not even being carried if he's on the taxi squad. I'm okay with that, but keep Anderson on a short leash. Don't let Kachekov get cold, and I'm fine with that. But you know, I'm it's, I'm going to leave the door open for a lot of scrutiny at the end of the playoffs. If you know, hindsight is going to be 2020. But <clears throat> um, again, I am I am okay with sticking with Kachekov and hoping that one of these veteran guys comes back well enough for the playoffs. To, because because like you said, it's going to be a big payoff. We're going to have to figure out a lot to give up. And that's, well, and and I guess this is the perfect segue. I heard that one of the players involved in that trade would be Natchez. Yes, that's the name I heard too. And so fireman right now, like I, I think I said it, or if it was earlier in the season when Natchez was slumping, all like I'm fine with it. But he has turned like he is like a totally new player these days. He's I mentioned it, I think, either the last time or the the episode before that. But his speed, he is using his speed so much more intelligently now. And it's it's leading to goals for him. It's leading to goals for other guys. It's leading to sustained offensive pressure and potential penalties i mean that is a major major asset to give up walking into the playoffs so again just kind of reaffirming my my comment which is i am kind of okay at this point in time with the canes because because the 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 way that the insider said this was the canes are okay they they are comfortable with what they have right now and there's a certain element to not breaking what or not fixing what isn't broken, I think, going on right now with the Hurricanes. Um, Cook and Yemi just, he had an assist the other night and he had a goal last night, finally, first goal since uh, December 19th. So, you know, the offense, the depth offense is returning <clears throat> just in time, I might add. Um, again, I've mentioned the goaltending situation. I, I am okay you know, so long as we're more willing to go to Kachekov as the number one. If Anderson comes back and he starts earning that crease back, fine. But he has got to be on, and I and I trust and believe in Rod Brendamore to do this. He has got to be on a short leash. Rod has been a lot more um, involved this year with goaltending situations, and and I don't mean he's having more and more meetings with our goaltending you know coach but 
what I mean is he's been more willing to pull guys in the middle of games. He's been more willing to bench guys and start someone else over him. Uh, on top of that, Spencer Martin, we picked him up off waivers, and that guy's been actually performing pretty well. He's, I think he's 3-0-0 now for us. Uh, he was the goalie for our big win against Boston in Boston. Um, so it, it's a risk. I mean, it, it's it's a crapshoot, ultimately. I mean, mm-hmm. but, but hey, going back to your legendary Brian Burke autobiography, man, I'm not sure I want to overpay right now for that, for the, what I feel might be that last piece, you know, and, uh, and well, well, so. you know, and I, I just want to make a, a quick, <clears throat> a quick point on Saros. I believe he's in the last year of his contract. So, or maybe okay. he has a, another year. I'm going to quickly check that right now, but to your point about overpaying, you know, you don't want to overpay for a rental and you certainly don't want to overpay for somebody who, even if you get them for one more year after, ends up leaving and not resigning, right? So I can't blame you for that. Let um, a goalie. I, I do yeah. not want to give up Natchez for a goalie. And Saros is a smaller goalie, is he not? He is. He is. He's an undersized. He's five foot ten, uh, I believe. So yeah, he is undersized. And I was right. He does have this year and then next. So, yeah, you wouldn't want to pay for a guy that's only got a year after this after this season. That, that, that is a lot. If it was Kakaniemi, again, that is a, is a contract I would be willing to move. I would be willing to part ways with Kakaniemi. But, nah, dude, Natchez, Natchez and Ajo right now are, are, are like the dry sidle and the McDavid, I feel, of our team, and they don't even play on the same line. You know, that's the kind of depth that we have right now. So I just, I'm comfortable. I, I am comfortable right now with the team. Things are jiving. Guys are playing solid. Everybody's playing their role. You know, in the great words of Bill Belichick, everybody's doing their job, I feel. Huh. And so long as this Anderson return doesn't, jeopardize or ruin any of that and like i said i i will trust and believe in rod brendamore to keep that guy on a short list keep kachekov warm keep that guy loose don't sacrifice kachekov for sake so i also wanted to bring up this point to you about kachekov and i was actually thinking about this on my car ride home since it takes so dang long um kachekov has you know, we've been critical of how the Hurricanes have dealt with him because he'll be up and down and up and down. And even when he's up, he's not playing. Um, he hasn't you, – you mentioned in the group chat with Greg and Ryan that once he becomes consistent um, – I don't know the exact quote, but I think paraphrasing, you basically said once he's consistent, I'm confident that we will make the cup and possibly win it. And I just thought about that in the car ride. I thought, well, wait a minute. This guy doesn't even have a full NHL season under his belt. We can't even determine consistency at this point. He's barely got, you know, half a season under his belt in the NHL. And I, and that's not to discredit the time that he has had in the AHL. I believe he's made it to the deep into the uh, AHL playoffs with Chicago. I want to say when you guys were their AHL affiliate. Um, won them a Calder, actually. 
I was I was gonna yeah I was gonna say did he win the Calder? Because I originally was gonna say he won them it, or, or I was originally gonna say that he lost in the Calder, but I do want to I think you are right he did they did win the Calder Cup, but suffice it to say, um, you know he just hasn't had enough time to be consistent. Because I remember telling you well the the guy the dude is kind of night and day like. Um, who was the game where he was pulled after the first period because he gave up that dump in? He like just tried to catch it and it missed and it went right in. Um, was, it, was it? It was the Avalanche. He gave up like two goals in in eleven seconds or something. Yeah, it was no, it was like five seconds because it was off. Five. So. Oh, you're right, right, and it immediately went. In. So it's like. He just he hasn't been consistent at the NHL level this season. He's only had so little games, so uh, to I, me, it, he just hasn't had time to develop the consistency. But dude, Ronta played the second period of that game, and what have I been saying? Hashtag the Ronta, the Ronta experience. He gets injured in that in that period, and Kuchetkov comes back in the third and slams the door on the Avalanche slams it so I, I agree with you i we definitely have not seen enough he, he does he definitely has not had enough time and, and by the way he did he won the calder cup in 2022 he's a Calder okay cup thank you um, but he but i and i recognize that he hasn't even played a full season what my comment was is that there i have seen a glimpse of this guy being a vasileski great russian goaltender yeah that that was top yep. of that on top of that, dude, he puts an immense amount of um, onus on himself. He, if you listen to his comments about that game, he was extremely pissed off with himself. He felt not only like he let himself down, you could clearly tell he felt like he left the, he let the team down. And so, like I said, I think, and I don't know if I meant if we see him more I think when I was writing what you were just referring to, I didn't mean seeing him play more consistently in the sense that he's good, he's bad, he's good, he's bad. I meant if we see him literally starting more games consistently, I think he will. He could surmise to become that of an Andre Vasilevsky, a guy with the team on a small little five-year run of postseason success and potential Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. And the context of that conversation was, you know, obviously me bringing up the U.S. born goalie sets the way to go. If you want to win. Bring up in the, in I had groups. I had brought up Hallibuck and I said that if you want to win, draft a U.S. born goalie. And you said my stocks in Russian goalies, because the very next day I posted Hallibuck. Or I don't know if it was the very next day or it was the night of but I posted Connor Hallibuck's stat line. He had an incredible game. It was like 948 save percentage. And then I posted Vasilevsky who lost to the, it was the Panthers game when they lost nine to two. And I'm like, looks like stock on Russian goalies is down. <laughs> and then after that, Hallibuck of course had a bad game. Um, but, but I was, I was using Connor Hallibuck as a sort of uh, a baseline to say, listen, this is a guy who largely plays a majority of his season or the season, I should say, as the starter. You know, uh, his 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 career has largely been 
50 plus games, 55 plus, sometimes even 60. Um, and he's, he just, he's been consistent in all those uh, scenarios. So with Kachekov, I was just saying like, hey, listen, we just have too small of a sample size with Kachekov to say he's Vasilevsky-like now. But you saying that you see glimpses of it, I now understand it as you just meant it as like, hey, check back in a couple years. This guy might be the new Vasilevsky. Correct. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Assuming we walk away. Assuming he's number one. Danish. Finish yeah. duo of the mid to late <laughs> guys who get hurt coming back around the net during a TV timeout. Like, <sighs> anyways, we don't have to keep talking about the Canes. I actually didn't really want to talk about them much <laughs> today because not much has changed for them. They're yeah, they're uh, they're still, you know, they're still a good team. They're still consistent. <laughs> At the very end of the day, as much as, as bad as their goaltending is this season, they're second in the Metro, man. Um, Exactly. At the end, you can't really complain too much. And actually, I, I do want to. Bill is the best in the league. Their power play is finally firing on some sort of cylinder. I believe we're top five in that category. Um, I mean, best part of all, you know, I summarized it already. As Bill Belichick said, everybody's doing their job. Everybody's doing it. And 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 one last point, man. Jordan McMartinook, dude, telling me to shut. The- Hell up on every episode here since that. Man. Oh man, that. <laughs> and, a, and then of course, fitting enough, he scored just yesterday, so that way heading into this game, we had to talk about him. You know, yep. we, you, you know, that yeah, that guy truly just shut the lid on that both of us. Ranta and Anderson to start listening <laughs> to this podcast. If that's, <laughs> yeah. how, if that's what it was. <laughs> and uh, the last. Um, note I'll have on the Canes before we move on. You mentioned uh, the Danish and the Finnish goalie being in their mid to late 30s or early 30s, mid 30s, uh, whatever. You did bring up their age. Saros would be 28. Um, okay. And 28 currently, but 29 heading into next season as his birthday is April 19th. So uh, he would be 29 if if you That's guys were to acquire him. They're peaking, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we can now move to the West unless you had another East team you wanted nope. to talk about or make a quick note of. I didn't think so. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll I uh, I'll start it here off. I guess I, I mentioned the Dallas Stars. I watched a bit of their the Rangers game uh, before this this podcast started. And uh, like I said, they're they're a very hot team. They they can score um, one lines one through four lines one through three. Uh, they looked really, really hot against the Predators. When they played us, I was really confused because Ottinger was playing, and I believe he gave up both the goals, but he didn't come back in the, in the third period. And and it was weird because I know they announced, obviously, and, and now in net for the Dallas Stars is Scott Wedgwood. And I'm thinking, that's odd. And I go to look at the bench, and, you know, backup goalies or a starter who gets pulled always sits on the bench with the hat on and their gear still on. Ottinger wasn't even nowhere to be seen. So I immediately just started thinking like, is this guy injured? Did he just walk out with an injury? So I went on the Dallas stars, Twitter, couldn't find anything related to him being injured. It, again, it just said, you know, Scott Wedgwood starts the third. And I'm thinking like, why did they sit this guy? Well, 
towards the end of the game, he's I finally noticed him on the bench. And um, he could have come back on the bench sooner than that. It was about with a 130 left in the game, he was back on the bench. Um, at least when I noticed it, he could have came back halfway through. I, I didn't pay attention once I noted it at the start of the third. Um, and then I guess they had either a back-to-back or they had a break and then they played Minnesota next. So a lot of fans, I went to Instagram after the they posted the final score of the Dallas uh Nashville game and it, it seemed like fans were saying they gave him a rest to you know head into Minnesota against our next game he, he had no injuries he just they wanted to rest him it's like you know in football when your team's blowing out a team you typically put in the second string just to make sure your first guys don't get injured well the story that you laid out you know what the Boston radio guys would say <laughs> hmm. he gave it to us <laughs> They would say he had the runs for being mm. on the bench until the last 90 seconds of the game. <laughs> um, no, nah, I mean, who, who knows? Who's to say? It, it could be that. It could be he needed rest. It could be, it could be he needed to make a, a bet on the Super Bowl. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say, uh, I was going to say... Well, I completely forgot what I said, but I will say I got I do have something about that. I just wanted to quickly make this note. So I I track um, we get a line sheet when we're in the press box. So it just shows each team's lines who they're going with. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that I've started doing about halfway through the season, a little bit past halfway is I would just keep track of goals that night. So. You know, if Nashville scored four and our opponent scored three, I would just write, you know, what goal of the season it is for what player. And and that's it. You know, I just track goals so I know the final score on each of these sheets. The Dallas Stars obviously scored nine total. They had two players score multiple goals in Watt, uh, sorry, Wyatt Johnson and Matt Duchesne. Uh, and, you know, spoiler alert, Matt Duchesne loves playing in Nashville, whether he was wearing a Predators jersey or a different jersey. He loves playing there. And then there there were seven other guys with individual goals. Nobody on the first line scored a goal. That included Jason Robertson, Rope Hintz, and Joe Pavelski. None of them scored. Uh, Three guys on their second line scored, the two Duchesne goals, and then Tyler Sagan. Uh, Three people scored on their third line, that being... Wyatt Johnson with the two and tied Delandria uh, for the third. And then two guys on their bottom uh, line, their fourth line. These guys maybe are lucky to get five, eight minutes a night, seven minutes a night. Sam Steele had a goal, and then Craig Smith had a goal. So as I mentioned, it's, it's a team that has depth. It's a team that can score a lot. They only scored one, and they lost tonight against the, the New York Rangers. But I want to say this was – either a back-to-back for them or they had played, you know, a lot of games in a short amount of time. So it was expected for them to kind of lay an egg eventually. And they, they did so tonight, but yeah, this this is a team man that has nothing but depth and can score at whim. Their, their goaltending is probably their biggest weakness. Um, I know I'm a big U S born goaltender. I think Ottinger has, 
he still has time to develop in this league. He's still relatively young. He's only 25, so he's he's got time to develop. And Wedgwood, their backup, he's 31, so he's he's kind of on the wrong side of 30, or at least heading towards the wrong side of 30. If they can get in, if they can just get better goaltending out of out of Ottinger, I think that that's a team that can definitely be even more of a threat. But it's even without it, they're a very very good team. Um, so with that in, I'm done. You can add uh, what you were gonna say. I, I disagree. I have I have their biggest weakness is their speed, and to tell okay. you, that, I I believe it's bailed out by their goaltending. Um, okay. Case in point, you know they beat us uh, four to two in Dallas. Um, a team that we didn't dominate, but we had pretty decent control of. I, I think that um, I, I was on the road. I was in actually Maine for work, uh, so I didn't actually watch the game. But from what Vanessa told me, and from what, well, I mean, you can always take a moment to to dump on the refs. Uh, somebody slashed Drury's stick in half. And there was no slashing call for that. Uh, but beyond that, um, it just sounded to me like between <clears throat> Trip Tracy, Mike, how they talked about it, uh, the insider Hurricanes report account, and then what Vanessa's testimony was of the game, it just seemed like there was there was no puck luck on our side, um, and that we just we and so we just couldn't find you know the back of the net, but. I do believe their speed is is where their biggest weakness is. They've got an older crew, Jamie Benn, Matt Duchesne, uh, Pavelski, um, and, and they have a heavy defense too. And so in my opinion, I think their speed is their weakest point of contention. And the Ranger game from tonight uh, is the case in point, in my opinion, because Scott Wedgwood did have to play that entire game. Uh, and I think it was pretty evident that they were struggling to keep up with, with New York from, you know, coast to coast. Uh, but I think other than that, you know, I mean, uh, clearly, again, standings kind of speak for themselves in this situation. They're not a Trojan horse, in my opinion. They are the real deal. Uh, they're a team that has been to the finals very recently. Um, they're a team that has a, a good amount of veteranship mixed with a good amount of youth. Uh, yep. And so that's, you know, th- those two things in combination are going to bode well for them come postseason. We'll see how far they can go. We'll see. I think it's really going to come down to who their first round matchup is. If they're matched up against a fast team, um, I, I would expect to see them kind of struggle through that first series but if they can get through a first series get their feet wet get their heads on for the postseason i'd expect them i would expect them to to see a a decent run through the playoffs yeah and i'd have to agree with you on the speed uh i I think I'm looking at their lineup. They they do have a lot of guys in their 30s uh, spread throughout their lineup, with their oldest being Joe Pavelski, who's 39. Can't believe that guy's still playing at that age. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely is a an issue I could see them running into in the playoffs. You know, when you play the same team over and over again, uh, you know, 
you have to make adjustments. It's not just a one-off thing where, hey, we lost to the Rangers 3-1 tonight, but tomorrow we'll, our depth will barrel us out. Uh, I, I think that their depth is a big help as far as their success. I'm looking at the daily face-off points from the top six forwards and points from the top, uh, sorry, points from the bottom five, uh, bottom six forwards. And basically this chart just shows you one through 32 uh, percentage of, of teams total points from the top six and then from the, the bottom six. And the Dallas Stars were 16th for top six uh, forward points with 50%. And then they are 12th overall in points from the bottom sixth. Uh, with with 27%. So they have a good even spread of of points from from four lines like I mentioned they can score four lines they did it against the the Predators that night and and they they continue to do so. I think the other thing too is you know Robertson has struggled this season. He he put up uh, 100 points last season. He's nowhere near that total. Um or actually he yeah, no, he's nowhere near that total, but he's still on pace for around 83 points. So even with his regression in points, there's still a team that's picking up his slack where guys like Craig Smith, guys like Ty Delandria and 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 uh, Wyatt Johnson are scoring. The other thing, too, I wanted to mention is they still have the deadline to get younger. They still have a deadline to to get some speed on in their lineup. So it's it's not over for them to improve in that area. Um, and like you said, if. Ottinger is is sort of bailing out their lack of speed. Well, if they continue to score like they're scoring and Ottinger can can be a little bit better and then they get they get speed at the deadline, man, that's a scary team. That's a scary team. The only thing is, is I don't know who they would give up for speed. Um, they did call up their um, they did call up their top forward in the AHL. Um, I forget his name. I think it's something Stanoven. Uh, Logan Stanoven, I think, is his name. Heck of a name. And he's top in the AHL for scoring. He's got like 53 points in 46 games played. They called him up tonight. He didn't, obviously, he didn't score against the Rangers, but that, that's an area where they can get younger. It's just through their own system as well as the deadline. That's a name with a ten out of, with a ninety nine rating on Madden for sure. <laughs> Logan's <laughs> yeah, there he is. When I was when it was a uh, was it uh, Lucas Reichel stops the cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one got me going too. <laughs> and actually, quick correction: it's Logan Stankoven. Logan Stankoven. Coven. Okay, that's still yeah. that's still good. Still rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> But but I think that that's that's an area that they can they can improve upon, like you said. And if if the team stays relatively the same, and goaltending stays the same, or at least gets a little bit better, again that's that's a three-headed monster uh, heading into the playoffs with speed, offense, and goaltending. And then also one more shout out. I have to quickly do it. You know me, guys. I'm a U.S.-born guy. Thomas Harley is second in scoring. Four defensemen this season with 14 goals. He's tied with Darlene. And guess where he hails from, Andy? Guess where specifically in the United States he hails from? Um, I mean, I'll go with where I feel like every American player comes from, or at least skaters, uh, Buffalo. You got the state right. 
Syracuse. He's from Syracuse. He's from Syracuse. He joins Tuck, Alex Tuck, as another Syracuse native in the AHL. And he's a hell of a player. Um, You know, he's got 14 goals this season. Kind of came out of nowhere. I don't I don't remember him playing any games last season for the Stars, but uh, he he's their top defenseman ahead of of a guy like Miro Haskinen, who I know has been injured this season. But uh, Haskinen has been considered their top their top defenseman. Uh, but Harley's kind of taken that reign from from Haskinen at least for this season. And you know, as a Dallas Stars fan, you can't be upset with that having Harley and Haskinen as a as a one-two punch on D who can score. They're they're looking good. So that'll be my last note on the stars. Uh, if you want to go to another team here, Ann. <clears throat> um, well, I mean, we did talk sort of in tandem with Boston on the Kings already. So that was the team that I was going to pivot to after or outside of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I do want to make one correlation with the East. I think I, I kind of just came up with it. Um, you want to talk you we were talking about the devils earlier and and their skill their offensive talent but their inconsistency kind of getting in the way i don't know if you want to guess who i'm going with in the west that's going to compare to that okay so inconsistent so say it again they're inconsistent and it's goaltending They've got no. I mean, they've got. Um, I said that they've got. You know, the Devils that we kind of summarized being a nice offensive powerhouse guys right. who, who can put up big numbers on the stat sheet, but their inconsistency as a team kind of getting in the way of the of of the success. I mean, in the standings. Okay. Basically, uh, who's the Devils of the West? Is I guess what I'm saying. Was the Devils of the West? Okay. Uh, I I don't think this is right, but I'm going to say the Coyotes. No, but that's a good guess. I uh, I was going to say the Wild, Minnesota Wild. Mm, okay. Um, they, I mean, you know, the other night they put up ten again. Ten again. They came back. <laughs> they were <laughs> down and they put up. Against Vancouver, but they laid an egg on themselves today, and and I turned the game to start watching LA, but it was like two minutes left, and and they had started mounting a comeback, but it was only five to three uh, against Winnipeg, and Hellebuck wasn't even playing. Um, so yeah, just that's one other team, you know, they they beat us the night that we were that they were my first regulation loss as a live fan at a hurricanes game by the way i think that was 10 or 12 games or so into uh being there live for and they were the first regulation loss uh kirill kaprizov had a hat trick that day um but but again you know they'll go out and they'll lose to you know they're kind of like the sabers you know they'll walk they'll go out and they'll walk all over the leaders of the league but then they'll face a team and i'm not saying winnipeg is in this category but i'll you know you'll see them face a team that is struggling with the standings and and they struggle to to beat them or they don't beat them i i feel like they're again they're a team very similar to new jersey that has the offensive weapons and whatnot but um when they're 
struggling to score when their goaltending is feeling inconsistent they're a team that like i said that inconsistency as a team sort of gets in the way of that uh, uh excuse me offensive prowess and i think it's most representative to them because they they often are coming back in games they often start games out behind the eight ball and are having to make up ground to make it a game again not just you know, win the game, but just to make it a game again. Uh, okay. That I do feel goes on pretty regularly with them. I've been watching them on and off lately too. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, the, and they have the capability of, of doing it too. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, they're similar to the the Devils because they can score a lot, but they're just inconsistent overall. Um, Kaprizov, former 100 point player. Zuccarello has always been a consistent scorer in this league. Uh, Hartman has found a home in, in Minnesota. And, you know, I, I will admit it here if I have never admitted it before, or haven't admitted it back in, in a while. Um, I love pesty players. I love the guys who can score, but also be physical and, and get under your skin. It's the Kachucks. It's it's the Martians. It's the um, oh man. There was there was one on, on Toronto. It, it, yeah, I was gonna mention one more, and it's Hartman. You know those guys. I think Hartman two years ago had had thirty plus goals in his season, and and uh, it was one of his first seasons with Minnesota. And I loved seeing it, you know, because he's bounced around. I think he, he's he's a former Predator. He's a former Blackhawk. Um, he might even be a former. Uh, avalanche but i don't think that's right but he's he's kind of i I gotta look it up honestly because he's i could have sworn he was he was on a lot of other teams um but he he seems to have found his home in in minnesota and and i love it because i I love players like that it's why i like tom wilson i love tom wilson um i wish tom wilson was on my team any fan that says i hate tom wilson he's a dirty player you would not be saying that if he was on your team. You would be praising the guy. You'd be, you'd be worshiping the guy if he was on your team, um, because you need guys like that. You need them. If I found that if you are the most hated player in the league, uh, like like a Kachuk, both Matthew and Brady, you're doing something right. You are doing something right. You know, it's the Kachuks and Hartman and Wilson. You know, for the most part, those guys can score. I know that Wilson's, you know, he's gotten older. His production's kind of hampered since 2018, but he can still score. Um, and and I love those players. They're so, so valuable to a team, especially in the era that we are in of hockey, where it's like, oh, the enforcer's no longer playing. Yeah, but you can still get a good power forward who can score and hit. Uh, and I don't want the era of speed and skill to take over and sort of displace the quote power forward. You know, I don't think that a Hartman would necessarily be, you know, a standout to a scout necessarily if he's more physical than he is uh, production wise, you know, the, the, the two are, is one, one skewed more than the other. But I feel like Hartman, Wilson, the Kachucks have found that medium where they can be the enforcer slash pest, but also be a scorer. So I got to give praise to him here. Um, 
but yeah, they, you're right, Ian. They they do have capabilities of scoring a lot. Brock Faber has been a, a big, big uh, uh, addition to this team. It's his first, uh, I think, full season with the Minnesota Wild, and he, American born again. He's he's probably one of their best defensemen. Uh, with Spurgeon being out, that's another thing. He, they're they're dealing with Spurgeon, arguably their best defenseman, out. Um, and then the only other team I needed to add to Hartman's uh, tenure was Philadelphia. That was the only other team he was a part of outside of Chicago, Minnesota, and Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, I'm trying to remember. He I think must have been a part of the Ryan Ellis trade. It was it was I think that three way trade of Ellis to Philly because we must have traded Ellis and Hartman to Philly to get who did we even get return uh, I, I don't even know but I think that was the year that Ellis went to Philadelphia so because it would make sense that Hartman was a Philly for only 19 games and then be was a was a Minnesota Wild um but yeah it's it's a team that can definitely score. I I hate to say it, but John Hines, I don't I don't know how that guy still has a has found employment in this league. Um he spent time with the Devils, he spent time with the Predators and you know, he'll start off hot. He'll 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 have a team rolling and the Minnesota Wild were rolling after uh they fired Dave Evanson or Dean Evanson and replaced him with with Hines, but after that, man, they regress into just a mediocre team that can't play consistently, can't score. It's John Hines hockey. Um, it, it, we've seen this before with the Devils and with the Predators, so it, it shocks me that um, Garen in in Minnesota has decided to to put John Hines at the helm um, for. Again, whatever reason he did, um, it's it's I think another reason why Minnesota has just been inconsistent is, you know, coaching. Uh, sure, Evanson has his problems, but I don't think John Hines was going to be the guy to fix them. So, I'll also add that to to Minnesota here. Yeah, that's a fair point. I uh, I didn't even consider that, but I would completely agree with everything you just said about John Hines. Uh, In a quick note, Ann, before, you know, if you want to keep pondering, I'll also give some huge shout outs to to Matt Boldy and Joel Erickson Eck. Uh, I believe last year at the deadline or last year we were the Buffalo Sabres were linked to Erickson Eck. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, dude, you know, that like that guy is not what we need. He's at best a bottom six guy who can score maybe 20, maybe 15 goals. He's largely struggled his career to score. He's got 28 goals this season through 55 games, 51 points. He's he's by far on his best, best pace, best season in his career. Uh, I'll quickly give you some some goal totals. He's had 23 goals last season. Two seasons ago, it was 26 and then 19. It just hasn't been a guy who scored 30, and I think he's a he's always been somebody who could score 30, but never reached that threshold. Safe to say he's going to reach it, you know, so long as he doesn't get injured. And uh, so I have to give him praise because it looks like he's he's finally found his groove and and his uh, shot. 
and and he'll probably he could end the season with 40 man and wild fans are are probably happy to hear that because uh, i think they've been asking a little bit more from him and then boldy um boldy this season i think earlier in the season signed a seven by seven contract or an eight by eight i one or the other um and I kind of looked at it like it's I think it's kind of too soon for a guy that young to to be signed to that contract for that long, you know, that term and that length. Well, through 48 games, he's got 20 goals, 24 points. He's he's top. Uh, he, he's third in scoring for that team tied with with Zuccarello. Um, he, he's been able to get it done for this team. It's they certainly haven't had a lack of scoring. Like you mentioned, they're the devils. They They can score. It's just. Goaltending is certainly an issue, and I think without Spurgeon on on the line, you know, on on D, they they sort of lack defensively as well. Uh, on top of having John Hines as a coach, um, but that's all I got. If you had anything else to add in, I, I think you were still pondering. That's perfect, man. I, I I think that's perfect. I mean, I'll just add Eric Sinek. I'm glad you mentioned him because he was one of those guys last night that ended up with a Hattie. Um, yes. Yep. I, I agree with you. I think that take on Eric Sinek being a guy who's always been capable of a 30 goal season, um, but never really achieving, achieving, yeah, achieving it, um, <laughs> really achieving that. It's been that like elusive, you know, it's not quite the elusive cup, but it's that elusive piece of his game that, um, you know, I think as as fans of any team that he's ever been on, it's probably something that you've always hoped for from him. It's, you know, it's probably you've seen, like I've said about Kochekov, I'm sure you've seen glimpses of that kind of scoring guy, a guy who can put up 30 in a season. And yet, I haven't seen it yet concretely. Um, but yeah, he's well on his way this year. It, 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 if he plays his cards right, there's 30 games left, man. He could, he's, What's what's another twelve and thirty games? I mean, you could be a forty goal guy this year. That would be huge. Um, it'd be unfortunate if they didn't make the playoffs with that kind of firepower. But like I said, you know, they'll they'll win games, blowing the team's door off, but then they'll turn right around and, and let it happen right back at them. Um, so those are yeah, those are two things. Hopefully, they can nail down is that consistency. I think from the defense. Hopefully, they get guys back from injury uh, and that will help out the defensive core it sounds like um but and actually while we're on the track of scoring goals i do just i'll plug i'll plug my man one one last time last time i talk about this team i promise uh aho just scored his 20th goal a few days ago yesterday i think and that now gives him eight seasons eight consecutive i might add seasons of 20 goals or more with the hurricanes and i believe that puts him third on the franchise leaderboard for that categorization um behind ron francis if you count the hartford whaler years and i also think uh, i think it's stall who is eric stall that is yeah uh who's that would definitely make sense actually i'll i'll check that for you if it's stall Okay, yeah, thank you. I think um, he has nine seasons and this is Zaho's eight, so he's like right behind him. 
check install now. Eight consecutive, you said? Aho is, he just hit his eighth consecutive, but just in total, he, I think Eric had nine total seasons of 20 goals or more with the Canes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He had seven consecutive and yeah, nine in nine in total. Right on, dude. Thank you. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Um yeah, I I love seeing I love seeing a twenty plus thirty plus goal scorer consistently doing it. It's why I love Kyle Connor. And I I think he to this day is still one of the most underrated um players in the league. And again, like you mentioned, you always apologize whenever you go back to, to Carolina. And I I have to apologize here because I spent a whole section on, on Winnipeg last season. I bring up Connor Hallibuck anytime I can on any episode. So Winnipeg's an often team I talk about. Um, but Kyle Connor too. He, he's a guy who I think is in his sixth consecutive season scoring 20-plus uh, goals. And he think he's had two or three seasons in total with 40 plus. Um, so shout out to those underrated scorers who just don't get recognized enough. They, uh, they truly do it for us. And for me, especially, <laughs> especially when you're an American. So shout out Connor. Two, three, four, six. So he'll have, he'll have seven consecutive cause he's got 19 right now. He'll definitely hit 20. So he'll have seven consecutive, uh, one, one below, um, Aho, but um, but yeah, no, it's I, I think the wild can turn it around. You know, we'll we'll see what they do going forward. We don't have to talk about this team, Andy, but um, I mentioned the Coyotes because I feel like the Coyotes. I use them as a guess um, because I I really feel like that's just a team who has finally been able to get more scoring out of their top guys, um, like guys like Carconi. Um, you know, guys like, uh, what's his name? I think it's like Matticelli. They're scoring and it's in, they're, they're scoring along with Schmaltz and with Clayton Keller. It's just, they, they, they aren't a solid team all around. Um, but the central division, man, they, they got teams who can score, but that the team overall is inconsistent and, Nashville falls in that category. We're currently beating Vegas right now, four to one in Vegas. Um, and, and we've had our, our, our moments where we score at whim and, you know, we haven't put up 10, but we can certainly put up five or six, excuse me, five or six. It's just, gosh, consistency. It's, it's the hardest attribute to achieve in any sport, but especially hockey. And with that 82 game season. So um, yeah, I just thought I'd add that note because that, that's why I guessed Arizona. No, Arizona's doing good, dude. I, I agree. They, I mean, they held our own, they held their own, excuse me, against us at home. That was the game that I took mom and dad to. Um, they <laughs> held it out, you know, 1 0. It was 1 1 until, and they scored first. It was 1 1 until literally 35 seconds left in the game. And I mean, the shot count was like 12 to 41, I think, in our favor. 
<laughs> it was on pace to be a Carolina Hurricanes game. Yeah, exactly. A hashtag the Carolina ex- loss experience. Blow your team out on the shots on goal counter, but lose on the scoreboard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they like I said, they held their own against us on the road, I might add. Um, we did kind of handily beat them on our road trip last week, but to your LA point earlier in the, in the episode, uh, we took that loss against Dallas on the chin four two, and the guys had a day off the next day. And some of the younger guys ended up having like a, a boys day out on the golf courses in Arizona. Um, and so they really came together as a team, and they've been on a nice little heater of a three-game win streak now since then. And that was just their first victim, Arizona. And uh, But you know what? One thing, actually, I'm glad you brought up Arizona as well. Man, I want to get out there for a game before they have a, a real arena. Cause <laughs> okay. <laughs> dude, it's, dude, I don't know. You have been to it. We've played at like Union and stuff, but like college arenas are different man like there's no like you know there's like all these like executive box suites and nhl yeah the suits tunnels. yeah there's the media tunnels so that you know yeah. yates can interview somebody on the bench and then 30 seconds later be up on the concourse doing the post game kind of thing like that doesn't exist in in college arenas like it's just the bowl and then it's the concourse and that's it and so they're like, for example, when we were watching, we were watching the post game and like, if you don't follow him, folks, like, I'm just going to fully cop to it. Uh, it's been a love hate relationship for me. But over the last three years, I have really, really come to love Trip Tracy, full blown man crush at this point in time. I'll, I'll come to it. Go to his Instagram, dude. He was like, get Trip Tracy. Oh. He's Drip Tracy. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah, if you go to his Instagram, he is Drip Tracy for sure. But uh, but the first of all, another thing about Arizona, apparently we packed the house with Carolina fans. So as a team that that happens pretty regularly against us, really cool to see that, you know, we were able to to put a pretty substantial fan base together on the road in Arizona. Um, and again, in Vegas, the, the couple of nights after that. Um, but a lot of those fans, uh, pool, like it was like a hundred fans or something, probably more than that, pooled around where Mike and Trip were doing their post game, and they, you know, they're doing it mm-hmm. from the point where you can see the rink in the background. So they're right in that concourse at the edge of it, essentially, and it allows you know fans to c- congregate around, and and it, and it creates you know a different type of NHL experience that is not going to can't be replicated. It can't be replicated in it. And I don't believe it's going to last for very long. Yeah. No, no. I I believe the owners are in the process of being approved to get a parcel of land in Phoenix somewhere. And if that gets approved, they'd obviously build their, uh, they'd obviously build their entertainment district. And that's kind of what's in now is if you're going to, Re, I wouldn't say relocate because they're moving within the state, but if you're going to build a new new rink, it often is going to come with an entertainment district. And Washington is also looking to move out of D.C. Um, 
and their owner proposed an entertainment district where the facilities would be used by the Wizards and the Capitals, each team getting its own separate stadium and rink so they don't have to share. But it also would be around an area where, you know, there's restaurants, there's bars, there's just entertainment overall. So that way it encourages people to to go to a game, but also go to those local businesses. That's also what uh, um, uh, the uh, Coyotes would also be doing is kind of building an entertainment district. So there's more draw to the team outside of just the team itself. Sports. Yeah, or the sport, yeah. even better, even a better example. And I just wanted to make that point because, you know, we're on the topic well, and they're currently playing it. PNC Arena is going to be renovated this year to to accommodate that. It's going to turn into more of an entertainment district. Right now, we share, we just share a giant parking lot with uh, NC State. State football team, exactly. Um, so that's interesting. But just going back really quick, did you say that Washington's proposal would result in a basketball arena and a hockey arena? Yeah, so my bad. My The context, I, I should have given more context. Okay. Um, so the owner of the Capitals also owns the Wizards. So, and and the owner doesn't want to stay in DC. I don't know if it's too expensive or not profitable enough, but he wants to leave the DC area and I think go to Landover, which is where the Redskins uh, Uh, play. Arlington is what I saw. Yeah. So they want to get more of the DMV area, which is, you know, DC, Maryland, and Virginia and Landover would be that location. Um, the the Redskins are actually in. I'm gonna go to a game in uh, Capital One Arena this year. Uh, oh really? Yeah, Paul got us tickets, and we're gonna go up for the Canes game on Mom's birthday. Oh man, dude, that's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. I um, basketball should be a fun time. I hope. I hope. I hate to say it, Dan, but I really hope for Ovechkin's sake he scores a hat trick against you guys. I, dude, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Kaprizov got one against us. I didn't mind it. When it got that much closer to Gretzky's record, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, not at all. I'm so happy he's got eight in the last eight. Um, but actually, I was to go back all the way to the Coyotes. My additional note to you was going to be that. Uh, the um the coyotes they with their experience i want to eventually get out to that sort of desert area because i think a lot of people a lot of hockey fans kind of you know they they kind of i wouldn't say take offense but they certainly criticize you know hockey in the south and oh hockey in the desert look at arizona it's not working you know move it to quebec city well i'd love to get out there because you know even yeah, even though I don't like the Knights as much and, you know, I'm, I'm critical of the team, I think the the game experience that they provide is none like none other because it's okay. Vegas. They know how to do entertainment. Oh. And then. And then with with the Coyotes real quick, um, it, I, I'd love to go out to Arizona. Arizona would be a state I could see myself set up in. Um, I, I just I love the desert kind of theme and and. Uh, aesthetic you know it, it just it's a beautiful beautiful area it's got the grand canyon um and so if i were ever to find myself out there i wouldn't 
mind going to a Coyotes game, whether that be in their current in the current Mullet Arena or you know in their new stadium should they or new rink should they get one. Um, and then a last other note, and I hate to keep <laughs> drawing us on here, but you know, a lot of the Canadian fans, they say, oh, bring a team to Quebec City. You're hearing a lot of other uh, American cities, like Salt Lake City's been one, um, Atlanta has been another one, and Houston has been another one, just to name a few, that are looking to to get an expansion team. And they're they're critical and say, oh, Quebec's got the people and they got the stadium and, you know, everything's set up. So all you need to do is just, you know, pay that sort of, uh, not finder's fee, but pay that sort of uh, new franchise fee. Well, here's the problem. Quebec City could not hold an NHL team. And it's not because they wouldn't there be afraid of attendance. You know, it's not because of anything regarding merchandise or any of that. They don't, they, they would not be able to sell corporate um, sponsorships, right? So Andy, you literally mentioned it about your your pros of the mold arena is that there's not a lot of executive boxes and and there, there wouldn't be a lot of uh, suits you know around it, it'd be a college experience sort of at an nhl level well part of having an nhl team is you need to have corporate sponsors the nashville predators have the gary force um acura level the predators have the I can't, I cannot pronounce this beer for the life of me. Is, is it Yinling? The Yinling uh, Skybox? Skybox? Mm. You know, they, they have corporate level suites that they rent out or, or they sell to fans and to people who come to their games. Quebec City could not do that. They don't have the corporate support for an NHL team. And so the 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 premium speed the the premium suites the premium uh boxes you know wouldn't be sold right they would just be premium they they wouldn't get a corporate sponsor to say hey we'll come in and give you some money so long as you get people in there so i just i want to put that out there because i think a lot of people don't understand that uh, about about quebec city even though it can get the numbers and it can get people to sell jerseys and merchandise and all that other stuff it can't get the corporate aspect the business side of the sport that's interesting and uh i am glad you i am glad you drew this on to mention that because that's not that's something that i didn't realize myself i mean you look back to you know the pivot uh well actually one city you didn't mention i've heard that atlanta is back on the table hot Atlanta. oh i did no i did oh you did oh, okay yeah i, just I mentioned it because i was gonna i was Snipping at those Quebec City people because they probably don't want Atlanta to get a third chance at the, <laughs> the, the NHL. But yes, you know what? You know what it was. Is Salt Lake City won me over. I was just like daydreaming about like Salt Lake City. It'd be cool to go out there for the game, but also you know take advantage of the skiing out there as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean going back, you know, just the pivot of Atlanta Thrashers back into the Winnipeg Jets, like. To me, that was a move that made a lot of sense because, you know, it's a more modern era. There's now more people living in the area than there were Mm -hmm. when they were the original Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, for that reason alone, it made sense, like you said, from a merchandising standpoint, they would they would easily sell that logo 
oh on, yeah on jerseys on on sweaters etc and the same thing kind of goes for the quebec nordiques if they ever brought that team back you know that's a team that like the jets and i think even more so than the jets you know it's more so with more so a case with the nordiques than it is with the jets is that's a logo and the whalers are up there too that has baked in that nostalgia casserole for the last how long 30 years 40 years now um 20 years i don't even know it's gotta be because i've been watching for 20 years but um you know when a when a brand and a logo like that can bake like i said in that nostalgia casserole for a few decades you know, you like that one? I, dude, I, I, I love the, the nostalgic casserole. That, that's hilarious. That's <laughs> such a good analogy slash picture for people. Thank you. So, you know, with that, like, it, it just creates that appetite for that merchandise again. And so if it ever was brought back as an official NHL team, you know, that casserole will sell like hotcakes. I'll stick with the, with the, uh, food you know the culinary uh metaphors here that that's that's a brand that would definitely fly off the shelves um but i didn't realize like and now that i think about it you know carolina's got a lot of big sponsors you know we see the lane dental associates we Mm -hmm. see uh nucor is the new you know our new jersey uh uh ad which is so clean dude it is so clean i love our jersey ad it is the cleanest ad on a jersey in the NHL. And our if if our ad on our jersey could win a Stanley Cup alone, we'd go 16 and 0 in the postseason. It's that good. Um, but but yeah, Lenovo's on the helmet. Like I it makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. Now that you bring yeah. it. You gotta be the only fan that is is flexing slash bragging about the jersey ad because I don't think any fan of any other team, even if it's even if it kind of blends in and looks good, is like I like that. <laughs> you got to be the only fan in the NHL who's <laughs> I wouldn't say is pro jersey ad, but at least is like, hey, that's not bad on the jersey. It, it was announced about a month and a half ago. Nucor is like a steel manufacturer, an American okay. steel manufacturer, I might add. Now get you a. Uh, get your interest up and you, they announced it on yeah my full Inst- attention yeah exactly they announced it on our instagram page uh like i said a month and a half ago and i scrolled through the slide set like you know the six photos they included and i was like oh hell yeah i was like that is that looks good like it looks part of the jersey in my opinion it looks sick um but I, I mean, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, but uh, I've been, um, I mean, really throughout my entire life, I've been interested in marketing and the industry of marketing. And I know I became a, an engineer. I'm a lot better at numbers than I am at, well, financial law. I did attempt a minor, marketing minor in college, but financial law ate me up. Um, <laughs> but you know like i've I've been looking at marketing opportunities in my in my current job in my current employer and uh you know i have a lot of marketing ideas in terms of our brand and how we can leverage our brand in different ways and 
so, you know, that's something that I've been very focused on lately is marketing and ad branding and collaborative, you know, branding and, you know, that, that whole industry takes my attention to an extent. So it's no surprise in my mind that I'm all hopped up on the decor jersey logos. I really like it. While I'm at it, you know, I'm double down. I really like the uh, penguins have a nice helmet logo. I like how they do the bold and then underneath it, it's penguins. But the number one helmet logo has got to go to the Capitals, man. I love that 3D Capital One logo. I, I think it's funny that the idea is out there that if you want to fight a guy in a, you know, Washington helmet you got to risk uh you know busting your knuckles on this 3D plastic logo <laughs> like uh, I'll double down on it while I'm at it I'm I'm not the biggest fan of all the ads that are going on like the board ads I could do away with yeah I could too but but at least I will I will give Bettman and the league credit where credit is due at least our jerseys are not yet turning into like the German professional league or like or English English Premier League soccer. And yeah, that's another good one where it's like it where where dude, when, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but when I was a kid and I saw um and not even an English soccer league, if I saw Barcelona or Real Madrid, um I can't remember what team had Emirates Emirates was it Barcelona? I think it was because oh, Messi yeah. was in it. And I used to think that was the name of the team. I'm thinking, oh, Messi plays for, you know, the Barcelona Emirates. And later in life, I realized, no, dude, that's that's the that's just the company ad. You know, imagine in the NHL if um, if the if the roles were switched. Right. So your no core, new core ad. What what was the name of that steel company? Was it Nucor? Nocor? Uh, Nucor and you steel. Nucor. Okay. So imagine if that was your Hurricanes logo, the size of it, and then your Hurricanes logo is where your, you know, Nocor is. That that is that is soccer in a nutshell. You know, the, the smaller logo is the team, and the bigger logo obviously is now. They're obviously that's a corporate partnership. Or sponsorship, they're paying for that big ad on the front, so they're getting more money. Um, but still, it just it threw me off as a kid. And and while we're on the topic of jersey ads and you know sharing our favorite, I will say the milk ad on the Toronto jerseys, it's really good. It, it, it's clean. That's another. It's one clean. That's clean. It's another good one. You know, I, I know people hate it, and you know, I I understand why the NHL did it. It was it was to make up for the the lost money during COVID, but that's another Jersey ad where I'm like, you know what? It's it's indiscreet, it's small enough, it, it's not this fancy ad that kind of takes away from the Jersey. It's just a simple milk with the, a little cursive ending to the K, and that's it. Um, so that would be my favorite Jersey ad in the league. Though I will say the Predators Regions Bank looks so good on their. Uh, uh, yellow slash gold jersey because it's a green mixed with the yellow it just it does something for me I, I can't describe what it is it's just I think yellow and green look really good together and and the region's bank which is our new new um, uh, banking sponsor uh, just looks really good uh, on the ad so that would be another if I'm going to double down like you did that would be my double down <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but, know, uh, going back to the green and green and yellow combo. Shout out RCS. <laughs> yeah. Shout, shout out RCS. Felkard, for any of you fellow Indian out, out there. Indian, Indian alumni. <laughs> for any of you proud Indians. We, we yep. stand with you. Yep, yep, yep. Um, a good ending, man. I, I never would I have expected we ended on such a positive note related to ad campaigns in the NHL. <laughs> Who would have thought? Not me. Not uh, me. So actually, I'm I'm gonna end on on something I'd like to do going forward is um you know bringing up something that we forgot, um, maybe bringing up a player we wanted to mention earlier that we didn't get around to, um, or, or just kind of honing back into something we missed. And one thing I missed, and you don't have to have anything, and I didn't tell you about this prior to the episode, and at no point did I tell you of it at all. Uh, but going forward, I'd, I'd like to do this. One thing I forgot to mention, and it would have really added to the discussion, you mentioned uh, uh, Kachekov being hard on himself. He's Russian, um, and and he kind of shows that he really, in his, in his post-game interviews, he could really you know put the onus on him. Well, I want to mention that Samsonov also does the same thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he has not had a great season. Um, he's picked it up recently, though, especially after getting a break over um, the All-Star break. Uh, but he, he's another he's another Russian goalie who, man, when when he gives up squeaky goals and when he has a bad game, you put a mic in front of the guy and it's like, I suck. Uh, I don't belong in this league. And I'm not saying those are exact quotes, but it's basically what you kind of get. It's like the gist. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to add that, but I completely forgot to. Um, and we don't have to have a discussion off of it. That can It's just a kind of standalone statement that we can make. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I'd like to do going forward. So I hate to steal the thunder because it would have it been a good stoppage point for the ad sponsorship. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a format I enjoy. All good. I got a good amount in on that stuff, not just the one. <laughs> so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> got it. Well, uh, with that being said, everyone, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate it. Um, congratulations. Yes, congratulations, really. Uh, especially uh, on this episode where we, we've we blabbered for sure. But if, if you made it this far, we appreciate it. Um, but until another uh, till another two weeks. Peace out. Peace out.